Hello, everyone. Welcome to Start Small, Think Big, a podcast that celebrates social innovators and business leaders who do small things that have a big impact in our community. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Marley Lewington. I'm the founder of Strategic Kindness, a creative studio focused on helping nonprofits, social enterprises, and businesses tell their story so they can do more of the good work they do best. I'd like to introduce our guest, Ibrahim Musa of Cuts for Kids. We'll be discussing youth today, social entrepreneurship, and how to harness the power of your skills to build self-esteem. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here, Ibrahim. I uh, really appreciate it. I mean, remotely, of course. How have things been for you? Well, I'm happy to be here. Things have been doing uh, good. It's been a weird summer, but uh, it's, I bet. <laughs> it's certainly not a boring one. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, thank you. So I took a look. So for Cuts for Kids, you have quite a powerful story coming from, from Iraq to, to Canada back in what, 2002? Around the same time, yeah, 2002. Around then. And, and, you know, today to being, you know, the, the founder and executive director of Cuts for Kids, can you share for the folks at home how you got to your position here with Cuts for Kids and what inspired you to create this organization? Yeah, definitely. My story started uh, coming into Canada as a refugee and we lived the refugee life, you could say. You know, we grew up poor. And uh, during that time, I was increasingly self-conscious about myself and my family, um, and it was socially isolating. So, you know, it was always things like, you know, we didn't have the same clothes as everyone or the same opportunities to go on the same trips, or there was always something that stood out and um, it made me feel like an outsider. And at that point, haircuts uh, were a luxury we couldn't afford. And I remember being so sick of my mom's haircuts that I picked up my teddy bear, grabbed a pair of scissors, cutting his hair on their mind. I was five years old when I learned that uh, even as a child, we have a need for dignity. <laughs> so Absolutely. it's a funny, you know, um, visualization. And when you think back to it, but uh, thankfully I'm not <laughs> cutting any more teddy bears hair. And so getting into how I was inspired for starting Cuts for Kids, that was actually 12 years later. Um, when I was again reminded how isolation is manifested in a haircut and that dignity does not have an age barrier. Um, around the end of high school, uh, while my friend's mom was giving me a ride home, she was telling me about all the youth at her summer camp, the Tim Hortons uh, children's camp, I think they called. And um, okay. one young boy couldn't enjoy activities because he was so self-conscious about his image, particularly his hair. So just like a few years back, he had cut his own hair. And wow. that bothered me. That bothered me on a fundamental level. And that was a spark. That was a spark to me deciding that I wanted to do something with the incoming um, senior refugees. I think that was the first wave back in 2015, 2016. Um, and so I realized that I, you know, my contribution to the community that gave me so much was not going to be something that had done, been done before. It was something unique and new, but it gave an opportunity for barbers and hair cutters, uh, hairstylists to also give back using their time, talent, and skills. I really love that. And you know, I think people, especially now, I think COVID has, uh, has brought that more to the forefront for everyone, where it wasn't just, you know, like, it wasn't as 
noticed before right but now like all these little things that people do on a sort of a daily basis and like you just when you couldn't do them anymore you start to see you know those those divides and those differences and how those really impact your life and how you feel about yourself at the end of the day oh yeah I mean I think COVID has given us a time of reflection about what is uh, you know necessary what is needed in our lives and what are things that we just want and starting you know it, for me as well, as somebody who tries to stay as humble as possible and as minimalist as possible, I still find myself picking at the luxuries of my, my daily life. You know, I have to stop and realize that there's a lot of people who in, in this country, in my neighborhood, who can't um, afford the same things that I do, even if I'm just a student. Yep. Um, they're folks that just, you know, just don't, just are not privileged uh, enough to live in the life that, uh, that I'm living. And so I think that that's a lesson that everyone should should take home with them after COVID, after we get out, you know, back uh, back in public and back to our somewhat <laughs> regular lives. We should keep that in mind. Absolutely, yeah. I think this this like you said, it's really been a time for reflection and you know to rethink our priorities a little bit. And I'm curious then, you know, for for cuts for kids how has covid impacted the services and the what you offer that's a great question i mean we're an organization that believes every child is an equal opportunity to succeed and we're involved in the promotion of dignity and we do that by providing access to opportunities through connecting youth to tailored services starting with a haircut um, or style so the haircut is really the the thing that brings them in uh, the youth and families in and um, as you know that the, the past few months barbershops and hair salons have been closed yes and so it kind of you know put a pause on our events as well as the service providers having been able to run public programming that also put a pause on our events and so now we're in this sort of redesign redevelopment phase where we know we want to be able to like evolve as an organization and grow our services and expand the number of events that we do in a year to expand the number of youth that we uh, we reach. So I'd say we're kind of in our metamorphosis phase. Okay. And we should be back to events later this year or early next year. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> Hopefully uh, we'll see what comes out of the public health guidelines. Yes, eagerly awaiting those as always. <laughs> so, so before COVID, what like how did Cuts for Kids work before COVID? What can people expect? Before COVID, we were doing monthly events, sometimes twice a month, and our model is to go to the youth instead of the youth coming to us. So we will take two to three months, minimum five weeks, to plan a community event. We set up shop for an afternoon, could be three to five hours. And we have a mobile barbershop, mobile uh, hair salon. We have always some kind of party going on. There's always a barbecue. There's <laughs> always some activities. Nike Canada uh, often comes out with us and does sports uh, and games on the side. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they're awesome. They really are. It's an active support program. And I think that, uh, you know, by now we know who's the soccer communities, who are the basketball communities. <laughs> <laughs> we know what kind of equipment to bring. And then, you know, it's it's all about understanding what the community has to offer, right? So it's not just about us. We use events to showcase what's going on in the in the community. So we will pay youth from that community to to come on the stage with us, quote unquote, 
to show their art. You know, if it's spoken word, poetry, if it's visual art, you know, if it's some kind of talent that they have and that they can engage young people with, we invite them to our events as well. Wow. So this, this is very much centered around the community, right? So it's it's not just it's not just a simple act of haircut. It's really about building that sense of community and that pride that comes with that. Absolutely. I mean, Cuts for Kids views itself as a connector organization. And so the reason we spend so long coordinating on event planning with the community, with community houses, is that we want to be, you know, we want to come in not as outsiders, but as community members, which is, I think, a common theme in, in the in why we started the, the organization. We want them to be comfortable enough to be uh, to share with us what are their real needs and, and how can we improve their lives? How, you know, how can we connect them to the appropriate services and programs that would actually give value where value is needed? And so I think on that model, we realized that <laughs> we've got way too many folks who, who need haircuts on a monthly basis. You know, that hair goes back. And so now we're kind of in that phase of, okay, how can we take this to the next level? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's fair. So, what's next for Cuts for Kids? Then, I guess you're in the stage of you know figuring that part out. Oh yeah. Now, how can I say it? We're moving from a nonprofit model to a social enterprise model. You know, the reason why we're doing that is that we want to find sustainability. We want to be able to see longevity in our in our cause. Um, and so, converting to a social enterprise will enable that. And we haven't figured out all the details just yet, but we are working away at it. We will probably see a digital platform sometime soon for Cuts for Kids. And yeah, that's all I can say about that for now. <laughs> I gotta... Okay, I won't spoil your secret launch for later. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. And so, and, and, and just to go back to the, the self-esteem component, how... You must see this, you know, on a, on a regular basis when you go to your community events. Like, how does improving someone's self-esteem change their life? Like, what what have you seen in terms of, like, the difference that makes? One of the biggest examples that I can think of off the top of my head, and this is something that we, you know, this is part of a process evaluating how successful our events are. Every mm-hmm. time we go into a community, about a week or two weeks after, we'll go back and we'll speak to the same uh, folks we, we planned with, the same youth that we give haircuts to. And we'll, start, we'll try to, you know, map our impact. And what I've seen a few times, and this is I think the older youth, the 16 to 17, you know, they get their, their haircut. And, and some of them come in with really long hair. I mean, really long hair. Like it's their first haircut ever. Oh my goodness. And I'm so privileged, you know, to be able to, <laughs> to give them that cut, that they put that trust in us. Or they finally got fed up with their mom telling them they got cut it. <laughs> Either or. It's fair. <laughs> but, you know, we'd go back and we'd find that, uh, you know, these youth who were, you know, sitting in our chairs, stiff like a board, not saying a word, very timid and shy. We'd go back a week later and they're coming up to us. They're walking up to us with a big smile on face and they're telling us, hey, I just went in for my first job interview. I just, you know, applied for this one. I, you know, I just signed up for this program. Or I, I started skateboarding, you know, it's, it's, it could be as random as that, but it's, it's so rooted in the connections that they're receiving at the event. You know, if it's a group, a collective of skateboarders that showed up and now it's all these young people who are, who are sharing their time and the talent with each other. 
in a way that's so natural. It goes beyond, you know, the pre-employment supports that any resource center could provide. It's much more focused on community. It's much more focused on an individual. And so I really do believe that self-esteem is ingrained in everything that we do. And it always, I'm always happy to see the impact, you know, event after event that these youth are having. That's really, that's really beautiful. It's, it's nice to see the results of that, you know, of the work and the planning come to fruition, but it's also really lovely to see the, the lasting impact that has, right? When, you know, it, youth that are going for, you know, a job interview, that's employment, that's money, that's skill, that, you know, that's building the foundation for like that next step in, you know, in their life and, you know, that confidence that comes with that, right? It just over time, the more of us that, you know, are feeling better and that are good inside, we can do more, we do more good work, create better places to live. And like, it goes back to the community component as well, for sure. 100%. Feel good, do good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isn't that a tagline for something? <laughs> I know. I can't remember what it is now, but whatever it is, that's some good marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like that. That sounds really familiar, but I do like that. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's from the hub. Is it from the hub? No. Oh, it could be. It really could be. Could be. That is a very hub thing to say. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to that. <laughs> Um, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really nice. And what would you say, you know, as, as you know, for myself, I've definitely struggled with, you know, like self-esteem issues as a kid. And, you know, I've, I feel like I'm finding my strength as a young person. But I'm curious from from your point of view, what advice would you have to, to someone who isn't necessarily able to go to one of these events, especially now during COVID, but just in general, what advice do you have for them, you know, as they try to, you know, build their self-esteem and, you know, what can they do and what would you have to tell them? Well, it's about finding your power, it's about being able to, you know, understand the things, identify the things that give you power and then empower you. And there's two, that's two very separate things, you know, knowledge is power. We hear that a lot. If you're, yeah. you know, taking the time to, read a book a week or read a book a month even to learn something about anything, you know, something out of your regular sphere, something out of your community, something that you might be interested in putting your, your passions in. A lot of the young people that we work with are folks that are finishing high school or transitioning into high school and then looking for jobs at the same time. So they could be just, you know, grade nine, grade 10, 13, 14, and thinking about getting the first job, or they could be thinking about making that jump to university or some kind of straight to the workforce. And a lot of people just make that jump, right? It's easier, you know, we've gone, I'm sure both of us have done it before. It's, it's, you know, it's easier just to make the jump before thinking about it too much. Otherwise you're going to be <laughs> overthinking it. And it's the whole thing. Uh, overthinking kills everything. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> I still fight it. And I, I you know, it's, yes. a, it's a battle. Yes. Every day. <laughs> so it's always about, you know, planning and preparation. How can we sit you guys down or how can you sit yourself down? Think about all the things that you like to do that you would like to do and bring that into your life, you know? identify what are the things that you're going to be wanting to work on in five, 10 years or work for? Can you merge your hobbies and, and your passions and, and your work life? Do you need to, to, to go to university? What, you know, where are the things that, that where are the open questions? Where are the question marks? How can we connect you to folks that will understand where you're going and have some kind of idea, you know, advice or resources? But the one thing I want to say is that, you know, we, there's no point that we go come in and we say, we tell a young person, hey, you should do this or you should do that. 
I've always believed that people should uh, receive the tools to empower themselves. And then it's only when they're willing and able to empower themselves that they will, you know, take that step forward, take that leap of faith uh, and push beyond okay. their comfort zones. Yeah, and that leads to lasting change too. And when, when someone has the tools that they need and they feel like they've, you know, they get to work towards it and they get to put the effort in, like that's where that lasting change comes, right? Uh, like that old adage, you know, teach a man to fish, you know, he eats for, for a lifetime or however that thing is actually <laughs> supposed to go, but uh, versus just giving them in the fish. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 you learn more from that experience and you learn more about yourself in, in the process and the struggle to achieve those goals too. And I've always found that there's such like a beauty in the, the struggle of hard work to get to, you know, those goals at the end of the day, you know, whatever it happens to be you want to accomplish and whatever you're striving for in your personal growth as, you know, as you find yourself, you know, there's a lot of real, you know, powerful moments that, that come along with that. I totally agree. It's a journey of, of getting there. And, you know, I was mentioning this to, to a friend of mine the other day, actually we were talking about it, and there was a little bit of a heated debate about, you know, what does it mean to find yourself? Because he Ooh. had gone to, to Thailand and, uh, you know, went on this okay. three-month hiatus and tried to find himself. And he told me, you know, I'm the same person <laughs> as I was uh, when I started the trip. But it's it's really the journey that that took me somewhere else, and that's you know it's, that's kind of something that I've been thinking about during COVID, is that we are so obsessed with trying to figure out who we are as people that we don't see that we are always changing. You know, we are always evolving into the person that we will become, and if mm -hmm. you stop evolving, you know, you just you're you're you're, <laughs> you're stopped in time right uh, you don't exist yeah like what you doing <laughs> <laughs> so you you're always evolving and it's 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 about the confidence to have the understanding you know that understanding gives yep. you confidence and understanding that it's always going to be uh, it's a lifelong journey literally yeah it will you know give some peace of mind as to how you can find that balance between what you're doing and where you want to be yeah. And I also find as someone, you know, growing up, there's so much pressure to to know who you are and to, you know, navigate these different stages of life, you know, when you're trying to figure out, you know, your job and your career and all, and all this, there's, there's a lot of pressure there. And I think for youth, especially, you know, it's okay to change. You don't, you know, we're no longer locked into these, you know, 50 year careers and the one job and, you know, you work up the company ladder and, you know, that's your life. Like that's no longer how we work and that's no longer, that's not how we work as people at the end of the day, right? Like I think people need to be more adaptable in that sense of, you know, every day we change. Every experience changes us as a person and it's, it's how we adapt and learn from those situations and we learn that we're changing at the same time and we welcome those changes that you know really pushes us forward totally it's about reacting you know reacting to to what life throws at you and that kind of that's kind of who you are as a person as well it's how do you react to the situations and i i understand what your point about you know the old ways of working you could say that we're in a gig economy now you could say that you yeah. know, young people just want to experience more and learn more and go from place to place. But I, you know, it's crazy to me how, I, you know, maybe say 60 years ago, 
even 50 years ago, people were attached to one company for most of their lives. I mean, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> How boring. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. <laughs> and I don't want to knock. That or doing the same. You pardon? I don't want to knock on anybody who's doing that now. But... No. <laughs> I mean, I admire it, but I'm just, I'm like, first of all, I'm not that old, so I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't done anything for 50 years, let's be frank. But uh, <laughs> like, I just, even for five years, you're like, wow, that's a really long time. I can't believe I was in school for that long. Yeah. I mean, it's right? it's, it's uh, a new world every every day. Uh, you know, <laughs> who could have guessed back in 2016, who would have guessed what we, we would have seen in, in 2015 or 2020, sorry. No. 2020 has been a year. It hasn't even been a full year yet, but it's been, <laughs> it's been quite an experience for, for everyone. And I think, like we were saying earlier, like there's just, there's so much that's changing. Some of it for the better. I think, I think we will come out of this mm-hmm. um, in areas better just because some of the faults with our systems and things have been so harshly and brutally put in the spotlight, you know, really forcing us to fix a couple things and realign those priorities. But um, so I think there'll be some good changes that come out of it, but, but also just some of our priorities in terms of like the day-to-day stuff, you know, maybe we shouldn't put so much value on certain, you know, material things and maybe it should be more on our sense of community after this. I mean, yeah, it, it, I feel as if 2020 was the entire society taking a step back and, and whoa, okay, what are we doing now? <laughs> Where are we going? And there's a lot of um, uh, things that have come up in social justice, you know, the protests yeah. that are still happening today yeah. and will go on throughout the week and throughout uh, the rest of the months, hopefully, highlighting some of the things that really do need to change so that yeah. people everywhere can share the same or share equitable opportunities to succeed. And at the same time, you know, it goes back to that work-life balance. It's like, you know, we were spending five days a week at the office at minimum, you know, 35 to 40 hours, if not on top of school. So it's, you know, I don't know how you found it, but mobile work is like, it's like a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I really do like the, the mobile work. I mean, I definitely miss, you know, my, my coworkers and, you know, being in, in spaces with people, I miss, I miss that connectivity. But the mobile work is also really lovely in the sense that you can almost do more sometimes without like the logistics of traveling. But it's also just changed the nature of work. And I also feel like my days have been significantly longer now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's, no more, there's no more office. The office is living room. <laughs> yeah, so the, that distinction is, is no longer quite there. And so, you know, I... Admittedly, I'm a bit of a workaholic anyway, but I definitely feel like that has increased actually over the, the course of the pandemic. I'm glad that you admitted because I'm in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> and You're welcome. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of crazy how, how things have turned out. You're right. Things have, you know, the day has been, you know, elongated, but somehow I still have more energy. But at the same time, people do give me energy. So, you know, to your point, like, it's it's, yeah. it's working with people, collaborating face to face, so much more easier in person. You know, it's so much more natural. Yeah, I find that almost now it's you spend more time talking, which which sounds really silly and not very intuitive. But you spend more you spend more time like talking and coordinating via email and phone and text and whatever other like messaging system you happen to be using mm-hmm. than you would if you were just sitting next to each other. 
You know what I mean? He's just looking over your shoulder and telling them, yeah, we need this. Hi, <laughs> please help me. <laughs> Versus like, hey, can I call you? Like, are you free? Yeah. Like, do you have a second? And then you're waiting. Like, there's, I find there's a lot more like logistic trying to like sort some stuff out versus like in the office or, you know, where, in a coffee shop or, you know, wherever, you know, you could just be like, hey, like, this isn't working for me or like, this is awesome or whatever it happens to be. But yeah. And I, and I find too, like, it's definitely the working from home is also highlighted the, the need for family time and the need for mm-hmm. being offline, which was never something that I really thought of before. It's definitely. I don't know about you. It's definitely something that both uh, admitted uh, workaholics. You know, we can. You know, we can, I've confessed. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it in a, in a way that we know it does us good and it's healthy for us to take a step back from the screen, uh, from time to time. You know, make space for our lives. You know, learning happens everywhere. Um, growing happens everywhere. It doesn't have to happen on the screen. And you know we're we're both young. We both grew up in the age of the internet, and so that's a crazy thing yes. to say. Uh, yes, I feel very old. Thank you. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that we need to just evolve. We have a next evolution as people right here in front of us. And you know what's stopping us from taking it on, and getting uncomfortable a little bit, and saying you know this works and this doesn't work. How can we mm-hmm. come together to create a better community, not just corporations or or agencies or departments or blah, blah, blah. How can we come together to create a better society, better community? And, you know, from the protests to, you know, to this crazy election we're having to, you know, some of the things that we're learning about, I mean, at least for us young people, and I'm speaking about Youth Ottawa now, at least for us, we're trying to pave our own way out of the chaos and find... Mm-hmm find means to create solutions for other young people to be more comfortable in the new environment that we, we, we live in. I think it's something that is it, it inherent to all young people. You know, they won't, it, it, it's not about taking the easy route. It's about breaking down barriers and obstacles to be able to effectively, you know, put in time and our yep. skill and see a good result. You know, we want to see improvements in all aspects of life. It doesn't, yeah. It's not just necessarily the things that affect us as youth. We want to be able to make a mark. And so 2020 and, and the year that comes after, I think is going to be the time to do that. I think so too. I think this is a really energetic time as well. I feel like people are really coming together around certain you know, issues of social justice and, and you know, like you saying the protests. And I think people are really starting to, to come together to come up with solutions to fix these problems that are long overdue to be solved and i think i think we're going to see a lot of change over the next little while for sure and speaking of youth they're definitely at the front the forefront of leading these big social movements which is inspiring to to see so many people you know just going for it and and really fighting for those changes yeah i mean and it, as you said that uh, my mind kind of flashed back to a memory of uh, of uh, Paul Dewar, what can we call him? Uh, MP, former MP. I think he was a former MP. Yeah. Ottawa Centre yeah. and the founder of Youth Action Now. You know, and his kind of inspiration to to starting that organization, which he talked about fondly, was, you know, I think after his surgery, he had been diagnosed with cancer, and he was either undergoing uh, chemo or he was just uh, out of surgery. And he was watching the news in his hospital room. And what was on the news, it was the uh, 
Parkland shooting down in the States, a school shooting, one of many in the, in, in the States, uh, but this one Heartbreaking. terrible, right? But this one was different because young people organized, they came together and started a national initiative against gun violence and organized that politically, socially, and really not only brought their community together and, and the water community in, in the United States, but captivated our audience across the world. And mm-hmm. that was Paul's, you know, moment of, of inspiration, his light bulb moment. That, you know, his legacy, he wanted his legacy to be founded in the ability of young people to, uh, or the recognition of young people uh, to be able to take on these large social issues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that similar to, to Paul, Mass Keeping has the same vision, founder of Youth mm-hmm. Ottawa. And there's, there's so many more people that I can think of that have had a similar vision. At some point in our lives, they realized that youth are not the future, youth of the now. And yeah. we need to be able to support young people however they think that the solutions should be presented. Absolutely. You know, that the legacy of those, like those organizations now, you know, they're offering such a valuable service by, you know, supporting youth and what youth are already doing. And I think that's really, really important. You know, youth have really great ideas and you know, sometimes they just need that support to to make them a reality or something bigger than what they had already imagined. Which brings us to another point. So Youth Ottawa has a amplified fellowship, correct? Absolutely. And you are, and you're part of it. Right. I'm a fellow. <laughs> you're a fellow. So tell me a little bit about what it means to be a fellow. What What's the program? What's What's the deal with the, the fellowship? So amplified, the purpose of the, the, the fellowship is to be able to support youth initiatives. And so like mine, a nonprofit or others that are not yet incorporated, you know, the grassroots initiatives, it's that transition to social enterprise. You know, the entire program okay. is about sustainability. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny because Kester Kids was that to Youth Ottawa prior to the Amphi Fellowship. We were kind of the, the guinea pig of some yeah. sort of like incubator model in the works until we put a name <laughs> on it. <laughs> so I don't know if it's the second or third year Officially, um, it's the second year that Custer Kids is a part of the fellowship, but okay. it's it's really like, you know, it's somewhere between five to seven initiatives that come together and receive all kinds of training support from yeah, CSED and Innovation by Design, the amazing Manu Sharma, our entrepreneur in residence who supports us in the business dynamics and, you know, creating strategizing documents and, and understanding how we can grow or reassess our, our initiatives to become sustainable businesses for social purpose. But it's also mm-hmm. about the community that, that comes together to be able to support each other. Us as fellows, we are a network of amazing individuals, talented youth who can lean on each other to learn from each other's mistakes. And we can do so in an environment right. where it's okay to talk about your mistakes. It's okay to talk about the things that uh, that have not gone so well in, in the past uh, because we've all gone through it uh, on some level. And having that group of people to to lean on is is so so important, especially in a time that the funds and donors are shrinking across the board. Yeah, and it's getting so much harder to engage our audiences, whether it's young people or the folks that young people lean on, the parents and the teachers and, and, and all the rest. It really takes a village to be able to to do what we're doing. And so that's really where, where the Amplify Fellowship comes into play. That's the added value that uh, I see program is providing to young people. And what have you learned from 
being a fellow so far? Oh wow, I, I got enough business learnings <laughs> that like I'm I'm reconsidering my idea of taking an MBA. Like that, <laughs> Manu has 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 taken whatever I understand of business to a whole different level. Specifically, social enterprise. I mean, it's really shaped for for kids at least. It shaped our value proposition. We've always thought, you know, we've always spoken about our value to young people as providing haircuts, providing haircut services. But the Amplified Fellowship made us realize that our value is actually promoting dignity. Dignity is where it all lies, and. Mm-hmm. That's kind of spoken to why we're switching to from a nonprofit model to a social enterprise model. But we know it, and and uh, the youth uh, that uh, customer kids hires know it. You know, folks that have grown up in uh, community housing in not ideal situations, uh, socioeconomically. We know that we don't like a handout, and there's a dignity aspect in you know in taking that snowsuit from you know snowsuit front door or getting that free breakfast like we these are things that we desperately need and we are not going to say no to them but there are ways in which we can you know you know take advantage of these opportunities but at Mm -hmm. the same time keep something back so that it doesn't feel like a handout a great example of that and this is not a youth-led initiative but i know some young people are working with them market mobile and oh love their organization you know about them yeah, they do great work. They're amazing. So the folks that don't know about it who are listening, it can be called a van, a trailer. That uh, yeah, you can call it like yeah, a van, a bus. It's a decommissioned bus, I think. I think so. I think so. That goes around to uh, neighborhoods across Ottawa and carries along with it some you know fruits and veggies that are just a few days older than you would find in the grocery store and they give this or they sell this food at an affordable price it's not a handout mm-hmm. which is a totally different aspect to the food bank you know yeah. i've seen it like i guess it would have been i'm trying to think of it, morrison gardens yeah morrison gardens the community house i've seen folks show up on this is this is rips at ikea uh, okay somewhere near um Pinecrest. Oh, okay. And this has been a few years now, but when I went, they had their food bank on Wednesdays and they would have Market Mobile on, on Thursdays. And there's a lot of folks come up for the food bank and then there's a lot more folks that come up for Market Mobile. And, you know, I asked them, well, why didn't you come for the food bank yesterday? You know, if you have to pay for these this food. But I'd rather pay something mm-hmm. than nothing because I don't want you know, I don't like the, I don't feel like the feeling of charity. You know, I have a sense of pride myself. And if I can afford some things, I can't afford everything. Even if I have only a couple of bucks, I want to put that down and, and, and you know, make it feel as if uh, this is any other day, any other shopping day. And so that aspect, that thing, the aspect, I think they're doing so, so well. And they've served mm-hmm. as an inspiration to you know, the way that we model our events uh, at Cuts for Kids. And I believe they also, I, I remember chatting with the, um, I think she's the executive director, but I think it's also culturally appropriate for the communities they're in too. So it's it's very specific. I think at the time there's like, they they tailor the produce to the communities that they're in as well, which I think is such a smart model. It makes perfect sense. I hadn't heard of that, but that's amazing. Like that is super yeah. cool iteration before this podcast i wanted to do an interview series i remember i interviewed her for it it was quite a couple of years a couple of years back now but yeah it was it was it was a really interesting interview and it was really cool to learn about like their model and that's where i 
heard about them. I found them at the conference for social enterprises. Mm -hmm. I can't. Unleashed. I can't remember. Thank you. Yes. Unleashed. Yes. Uh, amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just such a great conference and so many lovely people. But yeah, yeah. I remember meeting meeting her there and it was yeah, such a fascinating organization. Anytime I see the, the bus with the van, I'm like, <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I, they are doing such amazing work. You know, one of these days, maybe we'll see seek us for kids in a bus or a van but yeah like they are doing phenomenal work there's a lot of other folks doing phenomenal work who attend that conference by the way anybody who's listening to this should sign up for the next unleashed conference if there's any place where you want to go you know it's the same shameless plug <laughs> for my friend Manu. i support the shameless plug <laughs> anytime that you're thinking of hey i need to network i need to meet some people in the industry and in, in the sector in the community who are doing things the right way yeah that's the event to go to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I remember I remember hearing about it. And I was like, oh, this sounds so cool. And I went, I'm like, I feel so inspired. There's so many wickedly talented people in this room right now. And I feel like a million bucks because I'm surrounded by them. Which actually brings me to my next question. So starting a, a business of any kind is... It's a journey in and of itself. It's very complicated and it's so much work, but so worth it at the end of the day. What advice would you have for someone in the community who's looking to get into the not-for-profit space or social enterprise? I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. That's such a big question. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, I'll give you the advice that I was given at the very start of my journey uh, of starting Test for Kids. This is even before I incorporated the organization. And this was like, in the process of incorporation, I was looking for a lawyer to help me, you know, understand, you know, what are the tax laws that I have to abide by, you know? Oh my God. Can I start this without going to jail? Like, <laughs> when do I pay taxes? <laughs> so complicated. <laughs> too complicated. And I swear I called up like like 200 law offices in and out of Ottawa just to see anybody who would take us on pro bono because we really didn't have the money. I think it was like $1,500. We didn't even have that. It's uh, expensive. Yeah. The lawyers cost penny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... I picked up a book at Chapters. It was, it was called Starting and Maintaining a Charity in Canada. And you know, I realized halfway through this book that, oh, wow, this guy is this guy's a lawyer in, in Ottawa. Why don't I call him? And so I did. So I called him up. He was like my 280th call. And I asked him, what would it take? How much money does it would it require for us to go from, from nonprofit to charity? And he said $15,000, you know, 15 plus three zeros. And, oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, he he yeah. it was it was insane, and I think that he I, I think I choked or something like I heard it and like I gasped uh, and he, <laughs> he heard that and he laughed uh, as well, and like he he already knew that you know I I wasn't at that point take that on, and so the rest of the conversation was quite quite candid. And the one thing he did tell me is that you don't know what you don't know, so. Yeah always like what you're doing is good asking for help but always you know keep that humbleness about you keep yourself open to learning new things from the most unexpected people and that's i think the biggest lesson i've learned in um, the nonprofit industry because at least in ottawa there's like mm -hmm. 1800 charities and that doesn't include nonprofits or grassroots initiatives. That doesn't inc include not unincorporated uh, groups. That doesn't include youth groups. That's a lot of people doing much of the similar work. You know, we have unique aspects, but that's a lot of people just doing the same thing and they're all siloed. 
right? Yeah. We've got this pride as an industry, as a nonprofit industry. Like we, okay, we do it better. We know how to do it. And, you know, our metrics are better or our impact is better. We have more youth and we have this and that. You know, it's like, well, yeah. pump the brakes. <laughs> Let's all take a second. You can learn just as much as from them as they can learn from you. And mm. you're all fighting for the same funding. Like you're all fighting for the same million dollars that gets dispersed by, you know, community foundation and that. Why don't you come together? Yeah. Why don't you work together? So it's yes. it's it's kind of it's funny. It's ironic that an industry that is founded on community and collaboration is is so not a community. <laughs> I know the silos. This they kill me, and they're the enemy of the cause. At the at the end of the day, we would be so much more effective in our you know good impact if we truly work together and and found ways to leverage each other. For what we do offer yeah i just the yeah the silos it's it's mind-boggling and and that's kind of the <laughs> advice i wanted to give it's like or the second piece of advice i want to give is before you decide you want to do something like like start a nonprofit charity you know concerning i don't know animal rights as an example first take a second and read the room like who else is doing animal rights and how are they doing it where are they doing it and what you know for what animals you know yeah. What kind of services are they offering? Are you planning to do the same thing? Well, why don't you talk to them? Maybe you can get involved in their initiative or or start something else that's 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 related but different. They're offering different things and then merge. Like take a scan, figure out which one of these 1800 charities or like countless other nonprofits are might be already doing what I want to do mm-hmm. and swallow your pride a little bit. Like you you've got a lot to learn if you're just you're starting out in the industry. But I promise you there's going to be so much learning and it's so valuable it's like everything you ever expect it's that feel good do good do good feel good however you want to say it it's you know you can go to bed at night and think okay you know things are going crazy and i'm behind on, on, on a million things but still the work is so rewarding yes i think that's definitely a draw for the sector too and i think there's a difference between you know there's there's that pride and that ego of, you know, this is my organization. I created this for nothing. And that's really wonderful. But then it's also like you were saying, you know, if there's you know 15 other people doing that same thing, it's like, okay, am I going to be as impactful? And will that be as, you know, meaningful to me as having my own thing? Or do I just want to be involved? And if you just want to be involved, you don't want to necessarily do your own thing, then yeah, get join up email people get connected (laughs) yeah if you want to start your own thing like be ready to lose your hair uh keys in point (laughs) but getting involved is 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 as equally as rewarding as as doing something on your own for sure absolutely and i think half the time too sometimes we end up starting things from from a really beautiful genuine place but then also just because we don't know where else to go to do the thing that we're looking to do and i think that advice that you've given is is really helpful for people you know just do a little bit of research before you like launch into something and you take that big undertaking. Yeah, it's not easy. You know, even the research piece, nope. like <laughs> we don't have one website or one like mapper that, that tells us all of the nonprofit charity things that going on in the city of Ottawa. Hint, hint, might be something that's related to the next evolution of Cuts for Kids. But for now, you just got to, you know, go on Google and see what you can do. Ask around, you know, talk to people. Mm-hmm that might you think might be interested in these uh, causes and 
see what kind of organizations they work for in the past and or or volunteered mm-hmm. with what are their reviews like don't just yeah. like we do a good job of you know uh, displaying our impact on our, our websites for sure as a sector mm-hmm. the non-profit and charity sector in in, in ottawa um but dig a little deeper you know talk to other folks who have been involved with the people who are running it and and see what are you know what are the real truths about about each organization yeah Exactly. And so for in terms of impact, you know, there's, there's always an appetite for, for people to do more. That definitely seems to be the dialogue. You know, we have to do more for insert important cause here. Um, from your point of view, what's something that people can do in their daily lives now that can help people feel a little bit better and, and you know, work on their self-esteem and their well-being? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot you can do. Um, but it all starts with yourself. And so before you even step out into the nonprofit world, try to find ways that, that you can incorporate the lessons that you want to share with others in your own lives. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I always encourage you to do is compliment someone's appearance. You know, it could be on their hair. It could be on their clothes. It could be, you know, anything, something small. You have no idea how happy that makes people. And that energy is always reciprocal. You know, it, it's full mm-hmm. circle. It goes back, you know, dharma, karma. You're going to feel that same energy uh, very soon as well. And so it's the little things that people like. And so little things that spark up our confidence. I mean, especially among men, like young men, like it could be like, well, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to live in the shoes of, of a young woman. <laughs> but I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of guys my age you go up to a girl they want to talk to and the first thing they want to do is they want to compliment them, you know, shower them with compliments. And so yeah. <laughs> like this is totally not like this is this might totally be a blanket statement. But I see a lot of women getting complimented on their appearance and all that. But you very you rarely ever see that with men. And that's a lot, you know, again a blanket statement. But, you know, I've talked to, to guys and said that, yeah, like, yeah, like we, if you compliment me, I'll remember that for a while because it might be the only uh, compliment I'll get for, for a number of months. And I've seen that with a lot of different men. <laughs> you know, you mentioned- That's kind of, that's really sad. That is, gentlemen, your smile is lovely and your beard looks great. So. <laughs> you gotta hear it. You gotta hear it. Yeah. But. Oh, that's, yeah. It's like that's, we know these different. things. Like we have that, yeah. you know, even if we are not the, you know, we, we don't have, you know, I don't know, Tom Cruise confidence. We still have a little <laughs> bit of ego, a little bit of pride. So we know these things. But when you hear from yeah. somebody else, it's a totally different experience. So yeah, compliment somebody's appearance. Just a small thing. A second thing I recommend, and this is something ingrained in Cuts for Kids, give back to your community using your talent and skills. Like mm-hmm. you could be involved in anything, like in any cause, but it's going to be so much more meaningful if you are sharing what you know or taking your uh, your skill set to a, to a next level, like for us as hair cutters, barbers and hairstylists, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing exactly what they would do on a regular basis. They're doing their passions, but they're doing it to a different demographic. Folks who couldn't afford it, uh, who would afford it, who could not afford a thirty dollar haircut in their shops. And so focus on that as well. And one more thing, I can give one more thing is okay. to ask for and provide help with humility and it goes back to that piece of like you don't know what you don't know so you know uh, in terms of like community trying to figure out how do we coexist in this new um digital non-digital space 
um, how are we going to to you know reinvent society? And it's which is kind of a common theme of 2020. Ask somebody, you know, like if you even if you figured out the facts, no one else has. You know, see what you figured out. I'll see what I figured out, and we'll come together and we'll build something uh, bigger. You know, bigger than the both of us. And so, yeah, lead your life with humility. I think is how I put it. These are wise words. Very wise. All right. So thanks for being on the show. Before we go, where can people connect with you if they want to get involved? Well, on Cuts for Kids, if you want to get involved with Cuts for Kids as a barber, as a hairstylist, if you want to volunteer, if you're good with young people, if you're good with digital app development, all that, we're looking for folks who can help us there as well. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, at Cuts for Kids, O-T-T. And you can check out our website at www.cutsforkids.org or .ca, however you like it. If they want to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well at uh, Ibrahim Musa OTT. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I look forward to seeing what the next evolution of Cuts for Kids turns out to be. Thanks for having me. I'm hoping to uh, share it with you uh, pretty soon. I'll let you uh, know when it happens. Awesome. Can't wait. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone for listening. If you know someone we should have on the show or if there are topics you want us to cover, send us a DM, send us an email. You know the drill. Stay tuned for our next episode.